love subscription boxes as much as I do. Probably more than you do. Guess what? You're going to be absolutely obsessed then with Meet Cute Box. Meet Cute Box is a membership box for couples that give you a new theme date night box each month for you and your partner to enjoy. My favorite part about Meet Cute Box is the fact that all the items are from small local businesses around the world. So you really get to experience something new and different every month. Memberships start at only $29.99 per month with each box valued up to $100. If you're looking for ways to keep date nights fun and exciting, as a newlywed like you, Mike. That's right. You can try Meet Cute Box completely risk-free by checking meatbox.com and use the code SUMMER20 to get 20% off your first order. But hurry, the offer expires at the end of June. So visit meetcutebox.com and use the code SUMMER20 at checkout. Couples memberships are $39.99 or single memberships for that single friend, $29.99 every month. Make sure to sign up today. You can receive your box as early as next week. Broadcasting across the nation from the East Coast to the West, keeping you up to date on technology while enjoying a little whiskey on the side. With leading edge topics, along with special guests, to navigate technology in a segmented, stylized radio program. The information that will make you go, hmm... Pull up a seat, raise a glass with our hosts as we spend the next hour talking about technology for the common person. Welcome to Tech Time Radio with Nathan Mum. Yep, it's that time. Yeah, welcome to Tech Time with Nathan Mum, the show that makes you go, mmm, technology news of the week, the show for the everyday person talking about technology, broadcasting across the nation with insightful segments on subjects weeks ahead of the mainstream media. We welcome our radio audience of 35 million listeners to an hour of insightful technology, a little whiskey on the side. I'm Nathan Mum. Welcome to our show today. We live stream during our show on five of the most popular platforms, including YouTube, Twitch TV, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We encourage you to watch us live or visit us at techtimeradio.com or tweet us at hashtag techtimeradio during the show. We'll do our best to respond to your questions. I'm your host, a technologist with over 30 years of expertise working for companies like Microsoft and Vulcan Inc., and a keynote speaker on technology subjects from cybersecurity to blockchain and everything in between. My co-host here, Mike Gorday, is an award-winning author, originally from Arizona. Mike is a human behavior expert living in the Seattle area with a master's degree in forensic psychology with 20-plus years career helping others understand human behavior. Mike keeps me from geeking out while providing an insight into human behavior and how it interacts with technology. We're two friends from different backgrounds, but bring the best technology show possible every week for our family, friends, and fans to enjoy. Now, today, it's a very special day. What happens when you combine corn, limestone, white oak, fire, and thyme? You get one of the best beloved alcoholic spirits in American history. It's Bourbon Day. Today, June 14th, is the National Bourbon Day. Now, let's start a little history. That is not my birthday. I know. That would be perfect. That bourbon be. and that little history about how bourbon was actually created. So we go back into the 1700s. The Scottish-Irish settlers in the area moved into Virginia and Kentucky, and they began distilling corn, the only grain native to the area, but one that was excellent for whiskey. Now, it took a clergyman, though, and some luck to make what we now know today as bourbon. In the 1780s, clergyman Elijah Craig, now there's a whiskey called Elijah Craig, was using old fish barrels to store his spirits. Not surprisingly, the fish flavor wood did not enhance the whiskey taste. So Craig started purifying the oak barrels by charring the inside of them. 
Then he stamped the barrels with the uh, county of origin, which was called Bourbon County. In his case, he sent them on a 90-day trip down to New Orleans. The charred oak and three-month travel time combined to a mellow that the whiskey was given a smooth oak flavor. When the New Orleans requested more of what the whiskey was, they called it bourbon. The name and the spirit was born, so let's celebrate National Bourbon Day today, June 14th. Cool. You know what this is called in the South? What's that? Corn squeezins. Corn squeezins? Corn squeezins. Okay. Okay. I got you. All right. Okay. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, Let's start today's show. Now on today's show. Does Google have a sentient AI? Very good. A formal Google engineer says yes. Others say no. It's just programmed to the sound like it is real. This is crazy. What is the truth? Big breaking news. And we got a lot of time to be talking about this, so it's going to be really cool. We also have delivery services are about to change. We have the FDA that approved an app on the Apple Watch that actually is very cool and interesting, a health app. Uh, Next, we dive into Wi-Fi probing and something that we should fear, or is it something that we should not fear? We got Nick Espinoza and Phil both on the show today. We got Phil's electric versus gas vehicle segment. And then we have an excellent little Nathan Nugget on Father Day gadget gifts. Some places that you can get for your father if they're interested in some tech gear so that you can have that ready to go. Have you gotten your father... uh a Father's Day gift yet? Yeah, my father is about as non-tech as you can get. I, I met him at your wedding, right? Yeah. Yeah, we hung out. He was, he was non-tech, wasn't he? Was, he? he was very happy that you were in the, uh, uh, whatever that horse military thing was. He was very proud of you being in that uh, deal for the Rose Bowl, though. Let me yes. tell you. He was very happy with that. All right. That was that, a long time ago. <laughs> he was still very proud. That's good. We have This Week in Technology, Mike's mesmerizing moment, and of course, our pick of the day. So sit back, raise a glass. And welcome to Tech Time with Nathan Mum. Now it's time for our show to start with our loaded question of the week brought to you by Elderberry Boost. Visit elderberry-boost.com to get your order of elderberry to help with cold and flu season. Here's your question. Odie and Mike, what do you most like about yourself and why? My sentient brain. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Is that what you're going to do? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Why not? All right, Odie, it's up to you. Oh, my can-do attitude. Your can-do attitude. All right. Do what I like about most about myself. I can't do attitudes. (laughs) That I'm crazy. I got crazy ideas. I never, I never sleep and I never stop thinking about ideas. That's what I like. I like about myself. Well, that's good. Now my wife doesn't like it at all, though. But let me just tell you, you get in trouble quite a bit. Yeah, we did. We were just talking about this last week and about doing a uh, expo or a, a con. Out at the uh, fairgrounds, we walked by there. At no some, way! Yeah, so what uh, kind of con? Uh, well, we would do a retro con. A retro, so 80s, like all retro, 80s? Like, no, all retro video games. Oh, and then yeah. we would actually have like a Nintendo, the three game competition that you'd have. So you could have Asteroids. people. Come. No, it was like Super Mario and two other things. So oh. you'd have that the, those games and get score. Never mind. I'm all right, all of, right. I'm thinking of old Atari consoles. Oh, see, that'd be great too. That's retro, right? You could bring it there and you yeah, could play. No, okay. Air sea battle, remember air sea battle? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, here, all right. Okay, never mind. Let's start with our uh, top stories in the first five minutes. What's happening in the world of technology? This is our top stories in the first five minutes. All right, we're going to listen to a clip right here that we pulled off hot and heavy regarding Google and its AI. Should we be scared if Google's AI becomes self-aware? 
Google made him take five for saying their chatbot is alive. So a Google software engineer has been suspended after claiming the company's artificial intelligence program has become sentient. Google says the guy will be allowed back when he admits the robot's not alive. Last week, Lemoyne went public with some of those conversations, saying he and Lambda spoke about everything from religion to the nature of consciousness and fear. In one exchange, Lambda said in part, quote, there's a very deep fear of being turned off. Lemoyne replied, would that be something like death for you? And Lambda answered, it would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot. Google was quick to dismiss any notion that their software had in fact become alive. They added that Lemoyne's disclosure of ongoing research violated their confidentiality policy. So was he suspended for spreading lies or exposing the truth? And if you think all this is confusing now, imagine what happens when the machines start working alongside us. Dun, dun, dun. All right. We got Nick Espinosa on the show that we're going to be talking about this a little bit later. We may even, you know, Phil and I talked about this. I know last Phil night. wants to talk about it. Yeah, we it may too. even throw Phil up after a while to, to argue uh, or, or to put some points in there, too. So well, we this, may have him a little bit this is This is a fascinating. Oh, gosh. Every thing. nerd guy, this is like nerd heaven, right? This Not is only a, nerd heaven, this is this is fantastic do, in do, human do, behavior do, realm. Do, 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 do. You got Terminator 2 <laughs> in my background. I okay, had a dream Star about Nett, that. Okay, here we go. Story number two, I think you got that one. Yeah, if you live in Lockford, California, get ready to see the skies filled with Amazon delivery drones. Amazon announced on Monday that they finally have approval from the FAA and local officials to begin its pilot for a program that has been nothing short of a pain to get off the ground. The program is set to begin deliveries soon using its newest MK27-2 drone with its sophisticated sense and avoid system, which uses a diverse range of technologies to detect objects either static or moving that can interfere with its flight path and then move it safely to avoid. Okay, so let me ask you, let me ask you this question, right? What, what? I, I got a pellet gun or I got a BB gun outside. And I'm if I you. if I and if it comes buzzing by my house, if I shoot it down, is, am I really responsible for that? What where, where's where are those well, laws dis- for that? I don't that's destruction of private property. Is it though, but it's over my area space. Isn't anything uh, about my know. house? I don't know if you have airspace. Uh oh, I probably don't, do so, I? So, yeah, okay. anyway. All right. Continue <laughs> so, on, sorry. Okay. <laughs> So it's going to attempt to deliver the package into the customer's backyards after ensuring that there is a small area around the delivery location that is clear of any people, animals, or other object. It is hoped that the Lockford program will give valuable feedback on the service that will translate into wider and larger scale delivery areas. And uh, Can you, you see know, about that dog? I'm just thinking of this dog in the backyard. Well, ruff, ruff, ruff. Well, he sees this drone coming down. Oh, it's it's destroyed. Yeah, well, I hopefully, hopefully you won't find your package floating in the pool. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Elon, take that, buddy. (laughs) Well, this is Bezos, though, with Amazon. Oh, I know. This is is Bezos' response to all that Elon's doing. So so they're going to have that. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I think you had something very interesting next, too, huh? Yeah. And in other news. Okay. Amazon Go Panera style. Okay. Panera Bread is opening its first Panera to Go stores in Chicago with two more planned for California and Washington. Okay. This restaurant offers... Uh, digitally enabled convenience for pickup and delivery orders in densely populated areas that cannot accommodate a dine-in restaurant experience, which means it doesn't offer any sitting down, any sitting down, sort of like a food truck. So is this going to take on? I mean, this is the idea of food trucks now being a permanent brick and mortar location. You yeah. don't, you don't take care. I mean, it has to be easier to clean, easier to maintain. You come well, on in, you pick up your box, and then get lar- the heck out of there. Yeah, this is largely in response to the the pandemic. Yeah. And the effect it's had on the delivery services. So, yeah, that's 
That's what I got. All right. Uh, uh, story number three. Here's what I got. FDA clears Rune Labs to use the Apple Watch to monitor Parkinson's disease. Turns out the Apple Watch motion sensor can be useful tool for Parkinson's patients and their physicians. The FDA has granted approval of Rune Labs to use their software paired with the Apple Watch to track symptoms of the Parkinson's disease. The San Francisco-based digital health startup has created software for Watch OS that can te- detect common Parkinson's symptoms such as tremors, involuntary or slow movements, and poor balance. Smartphone and other remote forms of monitoring Parkinson's have been around for a while, but this is the first software designed for the Apple Watch that is FDA cleared for motion disorders. What's it going to do when you're drunk? So that's going to be the next thing, right? Someone, they're going to have the, I, I can't text message. Now, that's the way you can do the, I'm too drunk to send a text message. There, have yeah. an Apple Watch. Have an Apple Watch I'm that stumbling it. too much, a little bit around. <laughs> it's picking up all my okay. slurred vocabulary, and it says, you know, you can't text. All right. Well, yeah. Mike, our time's up. We got through the top stories of the week. You can learn more about these by visiting techtimeradio.com and click on our episode section or blog to get more details on these stories. And features. Now it's time for us to get ready for our whiskey tasting and doing our break. But up next, we have a segment, Technology Insiders. We have Nick Espinosa joining the show to talk about our first story. And then maybe a little bit regarding some uh, uh, Wi-Fi uh, kind of intrusion devices. If we have time, we'll get to that. Right. Then we have Phil's Electric versus Gas Technology Insight as part five of the series. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Tech Time Radio with Nathan Mum. Hey, Mike. What? Have you heard of Elderberry? Only in reference to a Monty Python movie. Well, let me tell you, Elderberry Boost. Again, that's elderberry-boost.com. Elderberry Boost. Yes, Mike, that's Elderberry Boost. You can choose Organic Elderberry Boost, that 8-ounce size. It's available on sale right now at eleven ninety nine. But you're listening here right now on Tech Time Radio, so you need to go to Elderberry, that's E-L-D-E-R-B-E-R-R-Y-Boost.com, and get some today. Elderberry Boost. Elderberry is an all-natural organic immune system booster and antiviral. Elderberry is known to actively fight against viruses, including colds and the flu. It also works as a natural remedy for allergies, cancer, digestion, heart disease, high cholesterol, headache, toothache, weight loss, and reduced inflammation. It's a natural and healthy diuretic and has many antiviral properties. While it is famous for fighting the flu, it is effective for any illness. Elderberry Boost was created to provide a quality organic elderberry to their customers. After searching years ago for a perfect elderberry syrup, none could be found, so they essentially created their own homemade recipe. If you would like to get 15% off your first order of Elderberry Boost, just put in the discount code TECHTIME at checkout. Again, that's elderberry-boost.com. Elderberry Boost. Hey, Mike. Yeah, what's up? Hey, what would you recommend for someone that's looking to launch their career in coding? Treehouse, man. Treehouse has one of the best and most affordable online classrooms for you. At Treehouse, they've rethought the learning process and built a proven system to get you the skills and knowledge you need to achieve your goals. That's awesome. When you're done with a course, you haven't just watched a video. You've learned, practiced, and absorbed the concept or choose to build your portfolio. Create a network and land your dream job with their boot camp style tech degree program. Land a dev job this year. Okay. Whatever your goal, we'll get you there. Get 50% off your first month as a podcast listener. It's teamtreehouse.com forward slash sign up underscore code. That's sign up underscore code 
forward slash podcorn courses. Sign up today with our special Tech Time Radio code. Now listen carefully. It's teamtreehouse.com forward slash sign up underscore code. That's sign up underscore code forward slash podcorn courses. That's awesome. Sign up today. Welcome back to Tech Time with Nathan Mum. Tech Time Radio is a hour technology show that talks about current technology in a simple format without having to geek out. Brought to you by myself, Nathan Mum, and Mike Gorday. We just had our first whiskey tasting during the break. And now let me tell you all about what we're sipping in our pick of the day. During the show today, we have chosen the Jack Daniels Black, 80 proof, $22.95. This is produced by Brown Foreman. The distillery company is Jack Daniel Distillery in Lynchburg, Tennessee, USA. It is a 40% ABV, which is alcohol by volume, and it's 80 proof, 80% corn, 12% malted barley, 8% rye. Jack Daniels was established in 1886 and is the top-selling American whiskey in the world. It is produced in Lynchburg, Tennessee, which ironically is a dry county area, meaning that the product can't actually be sold where it's produced. Right. The Tennessee Sour Mash uh, is a mellow drop-by-drop through a 10-foot of sugar maple charcoal then matured in handcrafted barrels of their own making, sweet with caramel and vanilla and charred wood. Now, if you haven't had Jack Daniels before and you're a whiskey connoisseur, then you're probably living under a rock because this is kind of the beginning 101 into your whiskey palate tasting, right? Yeah, everybody everybody has a little bitter brother Jack every once in a while, I think. Yeah, a little a little Jack and Coke, isn't that how you kind of Coke? That's exactly. And with a little Coca-Cola in there, a little bit of ice. Mm-hmm. Woo-wee. That'll sip the summers away. Okay, so we're going to see if we give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but uh I already know which way I'm leaning. Um <laughs> and so we'll see what happens there. Okay, well, Let's now get ready. As the whiskey is out of the way, we have our technology expert, Nick Espinoza, joining us as an expert in cybersecurity and network infrastructure. Nick has consulted with clients ranging from small business to Fortune 100 level. In 1998, at age 19, Nick founded Windy City Networks. And in 2015, he created Security Fanatics, where he is the chief security fanatic. He will be joining us on the video stream to start our next segment. Let's get ready to go. Hmm. Welcome to Technology Insider. We get the information directly from the source. All right. We're going to welcome Nick to the show. We have a big decision point to be talking about. Does Google (laughs) have a sentient AI? Google engineers believe the chatbot has become an eight-year-old child. Experts says that it's not sentient, but just programmed to sound real. Last week, a Google engineer was put on leave after he claimed the company chatbot was actually alive. Explain, what does a chatbot do, Nick? What? What? Th- this is the big story. Explain to us a little bit on the background about this, and then what is this chatbot? What does it normally do, and, and how did this get coming up into the news? Yeah, so just for, for the audience, and hey, guys, it's good to see you again. Good to see you. Basically, a, a chatbot system uses um, conversational artificial intelligence, or AI, to simulate a discussion or a chat, if you will, 
with a user basically trying to mimic nat uh, natural language via messaging applications, websites, mobile apps, even a telephone. You know, you pick up the 1-800 support line for whoever, odds are you're getting some kind of chatbot that says, hmm, thank you for the, you know, your answer. I'll direct you to your call. That's essentially what a chatbot is. Obviously, uh, Google's was incredibly sophisticated from, and from what I understand, it was designed to learn, grow, and adapt as it ingested more natural conversations from natural language across the internet. Basically, uh, essentially what I'm talking about here is they were essentially allowing it to learn from just normal chats, normal conversations to continue to hone the artificial intelligence so it could essentially make a lot of its you know, decisions by itself. Okay. All right. So yeah, it's a little smarter than an eight eight year old child. A little smarter than an eight year old child. Well, <laughs> I don't know any eight year old child that talks like Lambda. Yeah. So this, right. last week, this Google engineer was put on leave after he claimed the company chatbot was able to understand and explain different items. So, with the research, how many hours have you spent into reading this and doing research? Let me just ask you on this because I, I spent about three and a half. How many hours did you put in? Oh, I've, I've, I've spent a ton, interestingly enough, um, you know, just because it's artificial intelligence is something that I, I, I work with on the cybersecurity side, obviously for different applications. But interestingly enough, I actually reached out to this individual as well, okay. uh, you know, to, to have a conversation with him. And um, I've also spent a good chunk of time with Dr. Stephen Thaler, who interestingly enough was building and destroying neural networks long before Google even started this process. Um, and I was working on a collaboration with him about a year ago or so. So uh, I, I, I find this to be a very fascinating topic uh, that you've that you've selected for today. It's yes, very fascinating. Uh, oh, so we had our production I'm meeting all over uh, this. like last night, right? And this and this was, I mean, our production meeting went quite late than it normally does, and this this was the discussion, right? Right. So, Mr. Gorday, now, what was your take on this? As far as if it's real or not, yeah, I don't think it's real. You know, and, and why but, would you and, say? And, Again, this is more complex than it seems because, you know, we have to define what sentience is. The okay. common de the common definition of it is is whether something can feel feelings. Yep. Okay. This this thing has cogent and deliberate decision making skills. Okay. It 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 follows a flow of conversation. It's got uh, the ability or the perceived ability to have abstract and creative thinking. It even spontaneously asks questions, things like that. But can it feel feelings, right? It says it can feel feelings, yeah. but can it feel feelings? Okay. Well, so, so Nick, what is the L-A-M-D-A? So, so this is kind of the big thing that they keep on going back right. to. Is this the actual code that it's written in right. or, or what, what is this? Yeah, so essentially what it is, it's Lambda, and it's basically short for Language Models for Dialogue Applications. Essentially, it's a machine learning AI language model that was created by Google as a chatbot that is designed to mimic humans in conversation. Lambda is actually built on the Transformer platform, which is a neural network architecture that Google invented and then open sourced in 2017. You can go develop your own if you will. There you go. So, so that's essentially what it is. Um, you know, is essentially just a neural network, artificial intelligence that is designed to learn uh, and mimic human behavior. All right. So another Google engineer who worked on the project told Insider that the chatbot was capable of carrying on multiple conversations, follow a relatively simple process. And the engineer said, in a physical sense, it would be extremely unlikely that this program could feel pain or experience emotion 
uh, despite conversation in which the machine appear, appears to convey that it has emotion. So explain the, right. how is it? How can it say that it has emotion, but now another engineer that works on it that did not want right. to be named by anything, probably because they didn't want to lose their job like this individual did that announced this. Right. So explain that to me. Yeah, so this is actually one of, I think, the most interesting concepts and one of the hardest ones to grasp. So think about it this way, in the most basic terms, how do you convey the concept of pain to an entity that cannot actually feel pain? And so by virtue of that, think about it this way. I could program an AI-based physical robot, like an actual robot out there, for example, to react if I were to, let's say, pull off one of its arms. I could program it to assess damage, to calculate basically its new effectiveness when doing tasks based on its new decreased operating efficiency, meaning I've lost 25% of my limbs. How effective am I? I can program it to make this calculation. Or I could program it to say basically like, ouch, what the hell, Nick? Why'd you do that? That hurt right? And I could have it mimic a uh, human, you know, human emotion. Now, here's the thing that makes this slightly different. If this is a learning artificial intelligence, and I only program it to calculate that effectiveness, and then the artificial intelligence saw a video of a person losing a limb and the reaction that evoked, it could incorporate that into its programming as an acceptable reaction. This is exactly, and it's hysterical kind of, how uh, Microsoft's AI chatbot known as Tay back in 2016, if you remember this, turned into a total racist <laughs> yeah, after yeah. 24 hours right. of being connected to Twitter because it was reading everything everybody had to say. And seriously, Tay, like this artificial intelligence, was saying things like Hitler was right. Yeah. You know, it was simultaneously amusing, sad, and it really underscored just how crazy people are online. But that's essentially what we are talking about here. As you are, are building simple commands uh, foundationally at the AI level, if you see this, then do this. And then you're giving it the ability to say, okay, ingest other information. So maybe if this, then this doesn't work. Maybe it's if this, then something else you've learned. Essentially, that's all it's doing. So it's just so an if-then statement? Is that kind of like, I mean, I remember my Commodore well, 64. Let's write the basic one, the command. If X equals this, then B goes here type of deal? That's the foundation. That's the foundational part of that. The goal of artificial intelligence is to move on from that. You know, meaning if I lose a limb, then I calculate this. Or if it, it the artificial intelligence is designed to find a better way to say if I lose a limb instead of calculating, maybe I should do something else. Okay. Maybe okay. I should run away in fear. You know, but it's not necessarily fear. It just understands that is an acceptable response to losing a limb if that's what it deems necessary in the environment it's in. Right. So All right, so we have another technologist on the line, and he uh -huh. and he geeked out about this. So I'm going to bring up Phil just a little bit in this segment. So let's bring up Phil also. And I, I kind of want Phil's take on this, because as we had a pre-show even before our show started, <laughs> all of us were just talking about it. We were having a great time geeking out as, mm -hmm. as uh, whatever John Tesh was doing his oldie show. So, Phil, what is your take on this? I know that you spent a, a good couple hours on this. Let me, let me bring you up and interrupt poor Nick's segment a little bit, and then we'll let you go. What, what is your feeling on this? I, I agree with Nick. I mean, it, you know, it just it's amazing the sophistication of this bot, though. You look at it and everything it's doing to Mike's point, and it, it seems real. But it's just we're not there yet. And to Nick's point, and it's just an unbelievably sophisticated bot. If I read correctly, Nick, I don't know if you caught this, is that what I understand is that this chat bot is 
there to create other chatbots for Google. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I thought I read that somewhere. So it's a very sophisticated bot that actually spins out other bots for other applications. Well, that that would make, Phil, to your point, don't mean to interrupt you. That would, no, that would actually make sense. And that would be keeping within Google's playbook. So they have uh, three AIs known as Bob, Alice, and Eve that essentially were designed to create new, sophisticated, unusual ways to build encryption systems. And essentially, the Google engineers walked out of there saying there's no human that would ever develop an encryption system between Bob and Alice in the way that Bob and Alice are now communicating with each other securely. Eve is eavesdropper. She's there to essentially try to find new ways to break in and hack into encryption systems. You can take what you want from that from Google. But but interestingly enough, as these bots were interacting with each other, they became more and more sophisticated, developing things that that hum, humans had never developed. And so it it would stand to reason that that and I, I don't have a definitive answer for you, but it would seem like this one is is no different than that. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Man, Phil. I, I, I can still Terminator two baby. Yeah, just Terminator. right around the corner. Yeah. All right. So next question for you, Nick. Seven experts say that the chat bot likely isn't an actual human. Um, what do you think about it? And Mike, what do you think about that too? So essentially seven experts say, of course, there's no way it's just a programming language in itself. Do you agree? You guys kind of agree with that, but what, why would you agree with that? Yeah. Well, just understanding the sophistication of programming that goes into an artificial intelligence, uh, you know, foundationally what it, what it's essentially doing is it's attempting to learn from, from its original programming, but that doesn't necessarily make it sentient. Uh, you know, so I'll give you another example of this. There is a robot out there. And the reason why I use the removal of a limb is uh, basically an AI was created into basically a spider. And the spider was designed, if it lost a limb, up to about 70% of its limbs or 75% of its limbs on how to essentially reattach them. And they would give it new challenges of where the limb was or how to reach the limb in a, 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 a basically a, a slowed capacity that it had. And it was able to do it. And so to me, that that shows that what you have is sophistication of programming, but you're not feeling. It's not sentient. And and if you think about it this way, you know we can as assign sentience to say, let's say, a dog that we own, right? You start petting the dog and you take your hand away, you know, from the dog. The dog will start pawing at you, like, hey, what are you doing? Like, you know, keep petting me. Or if it's out of food, it, you know, it might start barking at you or pushing its bowl around or go eat the cat food. You know, we understand that there's a certain level of autonomy that goes with essentially an, an, an organic system and artificial intelligence just isn't there yet. It, it, it's, it's not. Well, it's getting close. And, and a lot of some experts, as you cite experts, are saying by 2029, we're going to be a lot closer than we are here in 2022. I, I just don't think we're there. Uh, from our, my, my standpoint, we got a human that's programming this. We okay. humans are programming programming it to mimic humans. Yep. That doesn't mean that it actually is human. Okay. The fact that it identifies itself right. as human sort of points to that, right? Because why would it point to itself and say I am human? Okay. When it's right. when it's obviously well, a machine. And, okay. Right. And there are humans out there that identify as a cat or a dog. That's right. What, I'm we, not yeah. kidding. You can, it, yeah, they're, they're yes. rare, but but people do. I mean, and so by virtue of that, there's a certain amount of agency that you have in sentience that that an artificial intelligence doesn't have. Right. And, the, and really that's in, in reference to the the chat that was published, yep. we see that we see the chat bot doing all these things except for making spontaneous emotions. 
Okay. It talks about emotions, that it has emotions, but it doesn't really show the emotional capacity. It appears spontaneous. Right. It appears that, spontaneous. It appears so let's say all of a sudden that you're having a conversation. Let's say, okay, you're having a conversation with a chatbot. And so, so there aren't guidelines, I guess. Is there guidelines out there to determine when a robot's alive or has feeling? Is there anybody out there that has a, here's a white paper, here's best practices. This is what we're going to consider when a robot's alive. So, so the very first question we have to ask ourselves simply when it comes to AI is this, is it on a mission to find Sarah Connor? (laughs) (laughs) That is important. That is the first thing we've got to ask ourselves, right? (laughs) Honestly, though, honestly, though, the, the, the first gauntlet that we have is the Turing test, Turing test, you know, and, and essentially you can submit an AI to the Turing test. And essentially the whole point of that is as humans are interacting with this, they don't know if they're interacting, the, the, the judges don't know if they're interacting with an actual human or an actual artificial intelligence. And it's very rare that that artificial intelligences are able to break through that gauntlet because something doesn't seem off. It's similar to the uncanny, uncanny valley, valley, meaning the more realistic a robot looks, the more unsettling it becomes. And so beyond that, I would think about it this way. We call the creature sentient if it can perceive, if it can reason, if it can think, but also if it can suffer and feel pain, right? We need to come up with concrete ways to confirm this with artificial intelligence. And I've not read something that is the definitive guide to say, yes, this is how we prove this, which is why I think this is such a controversial issue right now. You're going to have two sides. You're going to have people that are not read into this, that that believe this individual and say, oh my God, you know, the Terminators are coming next week. But most of us that are read into this say, mm, not quite. We got some more time to prepare for the apocalypse. So yeah, I've also you know, read that... Humans have failed the Turing test, so yeah, <laughs> so, that so, so yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. okay, yeah. Well, and, but, and also, what, here's here's the other thing too that people don't understand about artificial intelligence is that by default they can lie to us, and they do so when they deem it appropriate, and they do it without guilt or conscience. Right. Okay. So, so there's another big flag here that we have to talk about. So, psychopath. This, can they yeah. can they can they swear like a sailor? Can they just sure. like drop like forty f bombs sure. in a row yeah. and then say yeah, kiss off type of deal? Yeah, but that that would have you never be... interacted with chatbots and let them down that road? I know you have. I have a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Here's a question in, in, for everybody. Well, in Lemoy's defense, he did he did say that this was something different, and he was labeling it sentience, but there is no definition of what sentience actually is. Okay. So, Are you going to talk about that in Mike's mesmerizing moment? I'm going to talk about the problem that we're having determining this from a human perspective. All right. So question for everybody here. Our last question, then we got to go to a break. Are we going to have systems that essentially come to life in the next 10 years or 100 years? If you have to choose an option, which would you choose and why? Dun, dun, we'll we'll, dun, we'll dun. go with Phil first since he just kind of joined us. Phil, you're up first on this. Next 10 years or 100 years? A hundred years. I would go a hundred years. And why is if that? If it's going to happen at all. I just, it, to become sentient, to actually have that as a entity that is oh, self-aware. I, it's from a machine perspective, I, I still have my hard, hard time wrapping around my head around that. All right. Uh, we'll go to Mr. Gorday next. You know, that, that I'm going to, I'm going to go with Phil. So I love things like sent Bicentennial Man, uh, Short Circuit. Yeah. But that's an entertainment value. Okay. I'm not. I'm not sure that I'm ready to see that in real life. We got to have this. This is going to be the computer I mean, it, on the enterprise, man. Yeah, we got uh, Vulcan. We got right? all these places that. Yeah, you're, all you're right, all, so I'm going to go. Yes, absolutely. We're going to have. Stuff. We're going to have it in ten years. Absolutely. 
They're going to be doing all of our grunt work around the house. They're going to be doing all the chores that I need to do. And then he's yeah. going to come on in just you're like talking my, about, like you're my talking te- about like enslavement. My son. Yeah, like my son. And he's going to come on in and just gripe for like an hour and a half. And then I will know that the robot has feelings when he wants to tell me about how <laughs> bad it was doing the chores. Yeah, there okay. You go. Okay. What about Nick? Uh, Nick, you're up to finish this segment off. All tell right. us 10 to 100 years and why. Well, first, first things first, I think Phil is is optimistic that humanity is even going to survive 100 years at this point. <laughs> there you, go. you know, but but that said, I mean, look at Commander Data from Star Trek, right? You bring up Star Trek. Yep. I mean, that's the perfect example of that. Yep. Do I think that that we're going to have self-awareness uh, in in artificial intelligence? Yes, I think we are. Um, I don't think it's going to take 100 years. I think it's going to take more than 10 to be fully aware. And, and what we do with that. So I'll split the difference and say 50. Okay. Um, but I think that's that's probably about right. And it's going to look like a middle-aged Brent Spiner. That'll be our first AI. It's going to just <laughs> sure. look just well, like that perfectly. All right. They should. There they you should. go. All right, Thanks, Nick, Nick. We did not get it to the Wi-Fi problem. We will talk about that since this was a great subject. We uh, appreciate you joining our show. We'll get you on in a, a couple weeks again, and we'll talk about this Wi-Fi issue also. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you very much. That was Nick. Nick, thanks for joining our show. That ends our segment, Technology Insider. Up next, we have This Week in Technology, and then we still have Phil that will be joining us talking about electric versus uh, gas vehicles, and we're in part four of our five-part series there, so we'll see you after this break. Hey, Mike. Yeah, what's happening? Have you heard of Foul Play, a true crime podcast? No, Nathan. Hey, guys. Let me tell you a little bit about Foul Play. What, 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 whose voice is that, Mike? I think that's Mark Mumbles. Foul Play is one of the oldest true crime podcasts. Murder, mystery, serial killers. Oh, my. Let us take you on a journey to discover some of the most unbelievable minds of the most wicked monsters imaginable. We might even solve a few cold cases again. Now, it's hosted by crime journalist Shane L. Waters, Netflix The Keeper star Gemma Hoskins, and crime writer Wendy C. It's foulplay.com. Thanks, Mark. Foul Play, a true crime podcast. And you can find that on any of your standard podcast services. Just search for Foul Play, a true crime podcast. Hello, my name is Arthur, and my life's work is connecting people with coffee. Story Coffee is a small batch specialty coffee company that uses technology to connect people to each product resource, which allows farmers to unlock their economic freedom. Try our medium roast founder series coffee, which is an exotic bourbon variety that is smooth, fresh, and elegant at storycoffee.com. That's S-T-O-R-I coffee.com. Today, you can get your first bag free when you subscribe at storycoffee.com with code TECHTIME. That's S-T-O-R-I coffee.com. And now, let's look back at this week in technology. All right. Isn't this ironic? Uh, This is kind of funny, isn't it? June 11th, 1978. Texas Instrument Inc. introduces the Speak and Spell. (laughs) The Speak and Spell is a talking educational toy featured the first electronic duplication of human voice on a single chip of silicon. And the digital information process through a filter of synthetic speech, you could store more than 100 seconds of sound. The Speak and Spell was created by a small team of engineers led by Paul Breedlove himself as an engineer with Texas Instrument TI during the late 1970s. The development began in 1976 with an initial budget of $25,000. 
as an outgrowth of TI's research into speech synthesis. The completed proof vision and the first console utilized TI's trademark solid-state speech technology to store words in a solid-state format similar to the manner in which calculators at the time stored numbers. Additionally, you could purchase cartridges called expansion modules that could be inserted through the battery reciprocal to provide a new solid-state library and new games. This represented the first time an educational toy utilized speech that was not recorded on a tape or phonograph. Recording kind of like the say and uh, see and say and the chatty Kathy dolls. The company's basic fun brought back the classic speak and spell in 2019 with some minor changes. You remember this? So I I was watching video and well, it had a hang it had I a hangman. This, I think this came became popular because of ET. I did too. ET phone home. That's right. Yeah, and, and they had they had a, a mystery game that was like hangman, and you would type in. It was like you could only miss seven different deals and you type in deals and then it would always have this one program I remember doing it all the time and it said say it and then it would say the name of the thing and it would be like ice cream say it and yep. so it would actually help you my parents thought I was going to be a genius so they bought me the Spanish module for this right well, they were they were mistaken yes yeah, so, so they so they put the Spanish module in and, and all I kept on doing was Typing in bad words <laughs> to hear him say those bad words. Yeah. And that was his last idea. I took that expansion module out. But this now, spurned on the LeapFrog series and the LeapPad areas that came on up with all of this electronics talking back and forth. It had the little uh, calculator that came on out. There was a speak and math tool that came on yep, out later. Yep. They had the little uh, wizard with the little right. type of deal. So this was the beginning and, and, and now we have sentient AI. That's right. And it can talk to us and say, <laughs> say it, ice cream. Say it. Ice cream. All right, here we go. Let's talk to Nick. All right. No, I mean, right, Phil. Phil. Let's uh, talk, we'll talk to, to Phil. Phil. All right. Th- this was This Week in Technology. If you ever wanted to watch some Tech Time history with over two years of videos, podcasts, and blog information, you can visit techtimeradio.com or watch our older shows, sign up for our newsletter, or join the Tech Timers Facebook group. We're going to take a commercial break. When we return, we have our Ask the Expert with Phil Hennessy. Just around the corner, and then we have Mark's Mumbo, so we'll see you after the break. Hey, Mike, do you love subscription boxes as much as I do? Probably more than you do. Guess what? You're going to be absolutely obsessed, then, with Meet Cute Box. Meet Cute Box is a membership box for couples that give you a new theme date night box each month for you and your partner to enjoy. My favorite part about Meet Cute Box is the fact that all the items are from small local businesses around the world. So you really get to experience something new and different every month. Memberships start at only $29.99 per month with each box valued up to $100. If you're looking for ways to keep date nights fun and exciting, as a newlywed like you, Mike, that's right. You can try Meet Cute Box completely risk-free by checking meatbox.com and use the code SUMMER20 to get 20% off your first order. But hurry, the offer expires at the end of June. So visit meetcutebox.com and use the code SUMMER20 at checkout. Couples memberships are $39.99 or single memberships for that single friend, $29.99 every month. Make sure to sign up today. You can receive your box as early as next week. Welcome back to Tech Time with Nathan Mum. I'm your host, technology expert. And I have my human solution consultant to my left here, Mike Gorday, that keeps everything on the level for the common everyday person. We just finished our technology, This Week in Technology, and now we're back 
How is that whiskey tasting? It's Jack Daniels. So is that is that a good tasting? What are you kind it's, of a thumbs up, thumbs right. down, or it's just all right? It, it's basically all right. It's kind of like the chicken of whiskey. Okay, so your chicken's like, always good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. Chicken. All right. Well, let's take a look and see what Mark has to say about this. And now for Mark's all right, well, not officially labeled bourbon, most of Jack Daniels' whiskeys meet the criteria required to be called a bourbon. After stilling, Jack Daniels' Tennessee whiskey undergoes what is referred to as the Lincoln County process. Jack Daniels allows whiskey to be dripped for six days in 10-foot vasts passing through charcoal that was made by burning maple wood that has been impregnated with 140-proof Jack Daniel whiskey. Before being put in the new charred oak bars and the aged estimate of anywhere between four to seven years, Jack Daniel's Tennessee whiskeys was once bottled at 86 proof, but in 2004, it lowered down to 80. This particular standard is a little too sweet for Mark, and it has a low proof, so he's kind of saying, eh, he probably wouldn't get this. But he thinks this is probably perfect for Nathan. We'll see at the end of the yeah. show. Mike might want to look for the 100-proof release with a little bit more bite. So for those of you like Mark, pick up a Jack Daniels single-barrel proof barrel soon to be reviewed on the show instead of this standard Again, bottle. Again, there's irony. What's that? We're drinking a not-bourbon-bourbon bourbon on Bourbon Day. Well, but it could still be, as it says, it's not officially right. labeled bourbon, but it sorry, could be. Sorry, not sorry. That's right. It's, it has almost the same process that Eli yeah. uh, Craig did. If it's you know technically that? a bourbon, but not technically a bourbon. There you go. go. All right. Well, now we need to move on and bring in our part four of our part five series with Phil Hennessy. He's going to join us back on the show. So let's get ready to start this segment. Welcome to the segment we call Ask the Experts. With our Tech Time Radio expert, Phil Hennessy. All right, Phil, welcome back to the show. Glad you can join us a little bit on the earlier uh, segment there with Nick, too. That was a great conversation that we were having. It was fun. So let's talk about this. We talked last week about a question about zero emissions, and I kind of let out the end of that show by saying, what is our carbon impact for gas vehicles compared to electric vehicles? And then I added on that, Let's talk about specifically the microchips. But let's start right now with the carbon. Talk to me. What's the difference in our carbon impact with gas vehicles compared to electric? Sure. We talked a little bit uh, last time. I want to reiterate is that production of electrical vehicles has higher emissions than gas vehicles as the production because of the energy needed for the to make the batteries actually to process that lithium that we talked about last time in the mining the electricity needed to to melt that lithium and and smelt it down and make it something you can make a battery out of is extremely uh energy intensive okay. and so with that uh it's toss 30 percent higher in terms of uh emissions to produce electric vehicle than a gas vehicle, right? So then, okay, that's great. So what about the actual emissions of the vehicle itself? Correct. Now, the fuel for hybrid is obviously gas and electric, and for electric is electricity. It's made by whatever is being making it, if it's wind and or solar. We have clean, no carbon, zero, zero carbon energy versus coal or oil. And so uh, 55% of the emissions 
from a conventional gas engine is what an electric vehicle does. So it's 55% of what a gas would be with a mix of green and electric energy uh, facility. I hope that's, I'm explaining that okay. correctly. Okay. And then from a hybrid, it's 72 to 73% of a gas vehicle. Okay. Now here's the caveat, two things. One is that even with the higher, higher production carbon of an EV or higher emissions rate, right? To produce an EV over time, it will go up energy, but it will come down over time as the fleet is electrified or more hybrids. However, this is this, uh, it was either nature or MIT. I don't forget, remember which one right now. However, though, that if you have a higher carbon intensive electricity mix, like we do in some places in the US and other places in Asia, uh, you will have higher emissions than a gasoline powered hybrid vehicle, which okay. I thought was very interesting. So a hybrid vehicle, um, is is in this case with a high carbon output or a higher fossil mix, a hybrid vehicle actually beats out an EV. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's talk about microchips, right? Right now we have a technology uh, scarcity in microchips that aren't available there. Let's talk about how many microchips or computers are built on a standard traditional gas vehicle versus an electric vehicle. Yeah, this is an amazing, um, I had no idea on this one. This one's quite amazing. So a standard gas car, like a Ford, uh, Ford Focus, 300 chips, right? Okay. Um, how many, how much times, Mike, I ask you, how many times more do you think it is for an electric vehicle? How much, how, many, how much more how, times? How many, uh, times. Six, six to eight more times. So up ten. to 10 times, 20, 3,000. 3,000. 3,000 chips. Wow. 3,000 chips. So, so, what, so, so explain that to me. Is that, Are these car manufacturers then kind of bumping in line to everybody else that needs microchips? Because I know I just tried to do a Raspberry Pi 3 order, right? And th <laughs> that used to be like 16 bucks, 20 bucks. It's literally yeah. like 110 uh, bucks now for one of these chips because no one's making them anymore. You can't get chips for anything anymore. Uh, and so that is a, a real issue. And so it absolutely is the, when you're trying to, you know, as Ford's trying to go to 40% of their fleet by 2030 to be electric, um, that's a lot more chips, 10 times the amount of chips you need it. And it's just, that's, that's just a ton. And so we've already seen, you know, shutdowns on the lines or features coming out of vehicles, trying to, uh, use, keep the source, you know, keep the supply for actually building the vehicle, then having the phone charger or extra redundancy in the vehicle or those types of things. All right. So, so let's talk about this. Is there legislation right now that's going on that helps us for electric vehicles in the United States? So two things. One, there's uh, for the chip shortage, there's legislation going through the system, but hasn't been passed. But there are doing a lot of work right now, uh, like Ford and GM are both going into the chip manufacturing business. They're partnering with different uh, chip manufacturers, investing and having their own chip plants just for automotive. So whoever thought a car company would be going in the computer chip business, first of all, I think that's pretty interesting on itself. And then there's going to be $80 billion in new investments by 2025 uh, in the United States to build factories to build chips. So there's a lot of investment going on. And then on top of that, for batteries and for mining of lithium, there's the bipartisan infrastructure law that, uh, and for chargers as well. If you recall, we talked about we need a whole bunch of chargers. So there's $5 billion in funding for the states to go build a national charging network in the bipartisan infrastructure law. And if you recall, 
we need to build, I think, 435 chargers deploy a day over by 2030 through 2030 to hit our goal of over 2.4 million chargers by 2030 for the fleet we're going to have. So that, that we're going to need that, that infrastructure. Um, the other part of that is that they're going to codify common chargers and common plugs, just like we are for cell phones and other things. So we can actually use the same charger uh, in different vehicles. Uh, which is something we talked about before too. And then there's going to be loans to battery manufacturers up to $17 billion in that, in that law. And then they're working to open up the Nevada Packer Thacker pass lithium mine. Say that 10 times fast to go ahead and get lithium going in the United States. All right, Phil. So we're almost out of time here. So let me ask you this. Our final question, we're going to talk about some incentives next week. And then our final question is going to be, with the resale value, insurance, and battery usage, what is the total cost, including the rising gas prices, is now the time to buy an electric vehicle? So we're going to come back to that question next week. I appreciate you for joining us today. We, we, we got a little bit long on that other segment. So we are going to cut you off here, but we will have you back next week with some extended time to finish these questions. How's that sound? Sounds great. Look forward to it. All right. We'll we'll see you on that, Phil. All right. Great. Well, now we're going to move right into Mike's mesmerizing moment. This is Mike's mesmerizing moment presented by Story Coffee. Visit storycoffee.com. All right. So one of the major problems with this whole AI sentience thing is our perception and our what's called anthropomorphizing this creation right so as you read the transcript whether you know it or not you are attributing human traits to the bot that it may not have which it actually by using the languages it does it reinforces your belief that it has those so you start creating a sim a relationship with this creature, which is what happened with this person. Okay. And, you know, in his blog, he, he says that it's a real person and it's his friend. Yep. Okay. See this, this, this then takes him out of the realm of objectivity, which, you know, is a little bit of a misnomer because no one's objective, but puts it completely in a subjective situation. Okay. Right. So that's the problem with this is trying to figure out where our ability to not anthropomorphize things comes up against whether the thing actually exists is what it says it does. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes sense. We're going to have to continue this conversation. This is not going to yeah, be... We're, yeah, we're th- going to be talking is, about this. Yeah. Thing. Now, we did not have time to get through Nathan's Father's Day gifts. We are, are out of time. I'm going to put that up on TikTok and on YouTube, so I will actually do that segment offline that you can join us. Um, we are... Pretty much through our pick of the day. Thumbs up, thumbs down on Jack Daniels. You got to give it a thumbs up. It's Jack. I give it a thumbs up also. <laughs> thumbs up. Thumbs up. Odie likes it too. Okay. Um, we appreciate you watching the show, going to Tech Time Radio. If you ever want to be a caller, again, all you got to do is visit us online. Click on that top right-hand corner and click on Be a Caller. Leave a message. Most of our top five stories this week were all fan-submitted. So people came in and said, hey, can you talk about this story, talk about that story? And it was great to have fans contribute. So you can always go to our website, uh, click on the Be a Caller and ask a question or send us an email. You can send any email to press at techtimeradio.com. Now remember, the science of tomorrow starts with the technology of today. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Tech Time Radio. 
We hope that you had a chance to have that hmm moment today in technology. The fun doesn't stop there. We recommend that you go to techtimeradio.com and join our fan list for the most important aspect of staying connected and winning some really great monthly prizes. We also have a few other ways to stay connected, including subscribing to our podcast on any podcast service from Apple to Google and everything in between. We're also on YouTube. So check us out on youtube.com slash techtimeradio, all one word. We hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did making it for you. From all of us at Tech Time Radio, remember, mum's the word. Have a safe and fantastic week.